Hi, friends. I'm Chandra Sanchez. And I'm Misha Lazera. And you're listening to Bandwives. life today how's the weather so hot i wilt in the sun i feel like i don't belong here (laughs) well what are you juggling this week i saw you were on twitch last night yeah so in the midst of the chaos that is prepping for summer tours uh my husband does a twitch stream every wednesday and sometimes i jump in usually i just jump on and like make fun of him or you know, talk shit over the game that he's playing. But this week we actually played a game together. I'm not good at it. I don't want to be good at it. So I'm not practicing in like my spare time. But we played this game called The Quarry. Do you, have you heard anything about this? I, we, we are not video game people at all. I don't know. I don't know any. I can play like a Mario, you know, I, but um, this is like a choose your own adventure style game. That's really cool. It's a, it's a horror and it unfolds and you have to like react to things and you get to make a choice and then that changes the course of your character. And so we did that for three hours, which went really fast. And now we're like back to real life this morning, trying to prep for album release, which is next week. So there are random shows. Claudio is actually in uh, Wilkes-Barre. Which we were just <laughs> Wilkes Bar, Wilkes one or the other. Um, Someone from Pennsylvania today. is going to be really mad at you. <laughs> this is going to be our question to answer: is like, how come you can't pronounce any words correctly? <laughs> so yeah, so he's up there today or down there over there with with Travis doing like a little acoustic radio jam, and then we have a book reading next Friday and a little show at Rough Trade in in New York City. So we're just kind of gearing up for all those things. I, I'm doing like a reading from the book that comes with this deluxe box set. But I just learned this morning was 15 minutes. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. double. That's a long reading. That's... Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to find like a chapter that is cool and interesting and captivating, but doesn't give away too much, but also doesn't make me look like an idiot. That's what I've been uh, juggling this morning anyway. How about you? Well, Adam leaves in four days for the summer tour. So that would be a lot. So we're, we have to get like ready for that and plan for all that. I I agreed to my book contract in March. I don't know if I told you this or not, but I just signed the contract like two days ago. How exciting is that? Yeah, but it's like to everything is publishing is so long, which makes sense because books are long <laughs> and you don't you want to get it right. But yeah, it was four months just waiting to sign the contract. And then I, now I have the final date to turn it in, which is the end of September. So now I have a real, real deadline. Are you excited or terrified or both? I'm really excited, but with Adam gone and then I'm teaching at the university in, you know, in like August, I start. And so I feel like with those two things combined, I have some anxiety and, and, you know, I have, I have this podcast with you and I have another project with another friend from NC state. And so I just have to prioritize, you know, and manage my time, which I'm bad at. That is honestly, I feel the hardest part of being an adult and and like a skill that maybe some people developed. I definitely did not develop that. You know, when I was younger, I should have 
consider that I wasn't really good at doing anything consistently. Like even school, you know, it would be, I got good grades. I was a good student, but I went maybe half the time oh, yeah. um, and would just kind of speedily phone things in at the last minute and, and skate by on the ability to like procrastinate well, but that's not a life skill that has served me in many ways. <laughs> Adam explains his high school experience similarly as you do, but I was like, so I was like graduated third of my class. I was like so intense and like so into it, but it doesn't matter because none of that translates to real life. High school does not translate to real life. And I think my phone is the biggest problem. I've talked about this a lot, but I got my screen time report yesterday and I'm embarrassed to say it was like five hours and 45 minutes. I mean, like, what am I doing? I mean, that's the thing. The expectation of social media, the expectation of like self-promotion. Um, for me, social media is really personal, Like, I, which is funny because I actually had a social media agency where we ran other people's accounts, but I could never give over ownership of that because I'm, I feel like there's a tone, there's a voice, there's a, a sporadicness to it that you can't really accomplish unless somebody is living in your home and, you know, shooting photos and... I don't know. I have a hard time letting somebody else do it, but I also get really resentful about having to get lost in it. And I also kind of use it as an excuse because I just like scrolling. Right. Because it's like, yeah, I do. I post, you know, on ours, which has only been a couple bandwives posts, you know, and I, and I do stuff for my book, but then that's really, yeah, I just scroll and I don't know. Yeah. I read, yeah. I say that I read online and I do, but it's like, I have probably an hour at most. For sure. And then your brain is so scattered. Oh, I'm, I'm, totally in this article but look there's a dog in pajamas eating a donut whatever like all of our brains are broken I know it's true I talked to my therapist <laughs> which I'm sure I'll bring her up every episode but she should have her on yeah oh my guess. gosh yes we should she's amazing we really should but she her husband plays the didgeridoo so she's like a bandwife <laughs> so, yeah he's amazing so she said he gave it her husband works in in the field and he um is like a chiropractor and kind of does like holistic things. And so he gave a talk about the brain chemistry and all the issues that are, that our phones are creating in focus. I mean, you, you can't imagine that it's not, you know, I, I read this one article that I did actually finish was about something called monotasking. Did you read this? No, but I know that we actually can't multitask. We're not capable of it. I mean, we're so bad at it that we had to like create a term for what we should actually be doing. Monotasking is essentially just doing one thing. And they say an hour is optimal, which is insane. I can't remember doing anything for an hour without like taking a call or someone asking me for a snack. You know, that sounds great. But how realistic is that in 2022 to really sit down and turn your phone off and silence your notifications I don't know. I just, uh, I don't see that happening for me, but I respect it. Yeah. I need to do that to finish this book. And I, I like, feel like that's a good goal. Like one hour, you can get a lot done if you, you know, put your phone away and, and turn the internet off. <laughs> but I do that only in the bath with a book. So then I will leave at night at nighttime, you know, when the kids are in bed, then I'll put my phone away. Last night I did this and then maybe I'll get a full hour away from everything. I am a hardcore bath person as well, mm -hmm. um, but I, I definitely have my phone with me in the bath, which 
sometimes I'm like, this is my moment to like read one of these books that I'm hoarding or, you know, just be alone and with my thoughts. But then I find myself on Instagram, you know, tell me your secrets. (laughs) I did one of those not long ago, like a tell me your secrets. The intent was to then take and share like the secrets with, you know, anonymously and um, see if people connected to them. And then I got some of the secrets and they felt so intimate. I don't know. I felt like such a, a voyeur because you can see, you know, who sends you these. They're, it's not anonymous to me. Um, people needed connection and I think still do. So I didn't share any of them, but I'm like, thank you for sharing this with me. I should be reading yeah. the book. <laughs> um, two things. One is I heard... I don't know if it's an urban legend or if it's real, but I think you can get electrocuted by your phone. Just FYI, so don't drop it in the bath. I actually have dropped it in the bath before. Be careful. (laughs) Back in the day, that used to be my biggest fear with the flip phone. Um, Side note, I know you have a number two, but I've accidentally gone live on Instagram. So don't don't take your phone in the bath, friends. Yeah, I try to keep it away from me in the bath, but partially because I don't want to ruin my phone because like I've done that before in water like twice over the past few years. So not in the bath, but just in water. And the other, but the other thing was, I think that people, that's probably like, it's a weird way to like find out someone's secret. And the Instagram is like kind of a weird way to connect, but I really think people need to share their secrets and not like be holding yes. them and living in, you know, sadness or shame or whatever. I agree. And without judgment, And also sometimes without sort of somebody trying to come in and fix it, right? Um, Something I definitely need to work on is letting somebody just say, hey, this is how I feel about something and not trying to justify it or make it feel okay for them just to let them sit in that shitty space for a minute and and kind of cope with those feelings and move past it. Um, You know, you want your kids to feel good. You want everybody to feel okay and be happy and and never have to like live with dark stuff. But the reality is the world is filled with it. And we all need to learn how to process it because it's not going away anytime soon. It's true. And it's hard because we we learn from our parents. So then we model what they do. But our parents, you know, if you're like eight and you're sad about not being able to have a toy that someone else has, they have to also like, they don't have to, but they can also teach you a lesson in that instead of just letting you feel it, you know, or letting you be like, it's hard when you don't get what you want. You know, but it's like, yeah. I, you know, I, cause I do this too with my kids. Sometimes it's hard. It's a, something I need to remember to be better at because I'll be like, try to make a lesson out of it. And I, you know, people might not be able to learn anything until they're ready. I really wonder. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, we have actually started watching that show foundation. Oh, I love foundation. I love it so much. Yeah. I love those like big epic casts. And you're, you know, you're traipsing timelines and planets and religions. Yeah. I talk about that space. Yeah. I actually talk about foundation in my, I do that weekly newsletter and I feel like I bring it up every week because the characters and the storytelling, and I like really interested in the religions that have like dictated the rules really. And, and like, um, which is like, what, what's the main girl's name? I haven't watched it in so long. You'll find this about me that I don't remember anyone's name. Like I, even my own characters, I'll have to look them back up and be like, I don't. Oh, I have to do that with my characters. It's Gail. Gail is her name from foundation, but she, the fact that she like had to leave because she's had this innate interest in herbability and science. And that was like a taboo things like that. Like, I love that kind of world building, that it's just like creates the intention right out the gate. Absolutely. And religion is is a really good locus. It really like kind of sets the tone for what your characters believe, what they don't believe. You grew up religious, yeah? 
Yeah, I grew up right. My dad's an ordained minister. He's a teacher, though. And my parents were very, very religious. So I yeah. had to, I've, I've personally kind of had to undo some of that education in my life, but I am really interested in how it shapes the rules of someone's yeah. life or the rules in their own head of how they should live and the guilt and shame and fear and, you know, different personality types too. Like that really dictates whether or not you sort of live and die by something or you allow yourself some freedom, you give yourself some slack. I, you know, I grew up, um, I wouldn't say in like a super strictly religious family, but I did go to like Lutheran school, kindergarten to eighth grade, a lot of, um, a lot of time spent on, you know, learning how to harmonize hymns, but uh, not as much focus on real world applications of things. So yeah, I think I've been undoing a lot of that as well. And yeah, yeah. And I, you said something about, um, like not learning about the world. And that was always something that I've struggled with because to me, the world is so beautiful, like physically so beautiful. And there's something so magical about just stepping outside. And I always was troubled by the way I was raised in religion. And I know it's not always like this was like, you're not of the world or like you're the world is don't, don't be interested in the world. You're not of the world. You're not part of this world. And I always, now I'm like, I'm, that's all I am. Yeah. That's what I am. I'm, uh, you know, and so that, that, that made me sad that I grew up so disconnected from that. What I see is truth because I think the world is so beautiful. Absolutely. That makes so much sense to me when you, when you say it in those words, because I always felt very frustrated the way that God was presented that none of this really matters much. What we're experiencing right now, you and I sitting here, us having this conversation, us connecting, you know, with anybody who's listening, um, those things don't matter because your your ultimate goal is just to get through this shitty life and move into heaven. You'll have this great life after, but it's like, I'm having a great life now. This is great. Why ignore all of the amazing things that are happening right now? That's not to say that I believe this is it, um, but I don't believe that what we are experiencing now is lesser than what lies ahead. Yeah, I I completely agree, and I yeah I don't have any answers, and I and I'm and I and I like the idea of an eternal soul. I don't like that's a great idea, or like some eternal part of us. That's a wonderful concept. But I definitely think that like, I have like a lot of theories on this and I don't have to go into all of them. And I've read a lot of, about it, just it like um, literary theory wise. So it's kind of like related to Milton, especially. But it's like the idea that when when this turn of Christianity and history happened, kind of like separating the self from the world, it can be sad because it's like, if we all focus on this world and the beauty and and making it heaven for everyone. Yeah. And like kind of trying to build that right here. There's so many options for for food growth and, and you know, taking care of the resources that we have in, in many places. And but I feel like it's too bad that we don't focus more on making heaven on earth. That's a mission statement, if I ever heard one. <laughs> I don't expect our relationship to be light. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I feel like people might be like, what is happening? What are we listening to? Not sign up for this. What about their husbands?
Do you want to introduce our amazing guest today? I will. Camille Nolan is here, and we would like to welcome her. Hi. Hi, Camille. Hi. Hi, Hi Camille. Um, music and pottery are Camille's two biggest personal creative endeavors. She released her first EP, Archetype, in October 2020. Camille is a stay-at-home mom who loves traveling, going to museums, hiking, and swimming in the ocean. She and John just celebrated their 15-year wedding anniversary after meeting 17 years ago, and they have two kids, nine and six. Thanks for having me. I feel honored to be the first guest. Thank you for doing it. Yeah. So wait, before we jump into the questions, how long have you two known each other? 12 years. <laughs> 12 years? I was going to say 10. Keaton was like, was not quite two or was he two? He was not quite two. So it's 11 or 12 years. Yeah. Yeah. We met in LA the first time. Is that right? When the guys. I don't know. I can't think of Or was it New York at that show? Oh, it was. You're right. It was. That was the first time we met in, in Irving Plaza in New York City. And it was like, she, you actually had a plane. So it was like, you came in while they were playing and we were like trying to meet each other. (laughs) They were like playing. Yeah. Yeah. I had a pretty high pressure job at the time. And so I had to fly in after work that day. I remember. Yeah. But we were instant friends. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We've been, and then we lived in LA together for a while on and off when Taking Back Center was doing a record there. And then they moved to Charlotte. Yeah. But then they recently moved back to Kansas, and I'm very sad and try not to pressure her every day <laughs> to come back. Just a little pressure. Yeah. <laughs> Gentle pressure. Gentle pressure, yeah. It meant a lot to me to live close to Misha and uh, kind of get pulled into her community there. And um, I feel like we supported each other a lot through the years and uh, yeah I would have had to probably drop out of grad school Camille did watch them weekly for me and we swapped and I watched her kids in the weekend mm-hmm. oh, and we had dinner together probably once yeah. or twice a week so it was really helpful and somebody knowing the ebbs and flows of <laughs> your life uh, I had challenges with people understanding my level of availability whether <laughs> John was home or not and I never, for a second, you know, questioned whether Misha would understand <laughs> that uh, things change a lot. It's very much like leading a double life at times where you're sort of like, you know, 100% in it or 100% out at a yes. given moment. And that can be, I mean, I, I think that that's, that can be a challenging dynamic, especially in new friendships where yes. you feel like you're flaky or whatever it is, um, you know, they just... yeah. And maybe internalize situations that are out of your control. So I know that I'm super grateful for the people that I have in my life that I know like this. Yeah, it's like it is double eyes. Like when your husband's gone, not like they're coming like home after work and you can kind of organize things. So it's yeah. really strange scheduling. All right. So yes, Camille and I have been friends for somewhere between 10 to 12 years. (laughs) Definitely met in New York. What's something that listeners would be surprised to hear about your life? So I actually thought of something and Misha, I don't even think you know this about me. I'm not sure, but I used to ride motorcycles. Oh, I did because you're ex, right? Yeah. 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 (laughs) 
I got married uh, briefly, like shortly out of high school and my ex-husband drove a motorcycle and I got into it for a bit. I would ride a motorcycle around town and I uh, rode dirt bikes for a little bit. I'd go out on like the dirt bike trails. Yeah. And I'm probably one of the more cautious people anyone will meet. <laughs> so it doesn't totally fit my personality, but. Well, Kansas is a great place to ride. You should, you should, uh, <laughs> should revisit that. I don't know. Uh, so my ex-husband did get in a really bad motorcycle accident when we were separated. And almost everyone I know who's ridden a motorcycle has been in a really bad accident. So I just, I, at a certain point, especially after having kids, I was like, no, <laughs> no more. <laughs> yeah. Adam got rid of his motorcycle after Keaton was born. Yeah. It's different when you're an adult. If something happens, like who will take over my life? Yeah, you know? like, <laughs> yeah, it's a very different uh, perspective that we um, come to. I think I will never forget one time, Camille. You were like, "I feel like my body doesn't feel like it should be moving at eighty <laughs> miles an hour." You told me that's like you don't have like you're uncomfortable in cars when someone else is driving, and I was like, "It makes sense." <laughs> I don't know that any body should be moving no it's, at eighty miles an hour. It's very unnatural. I have to really talk myself through <laughs> that kind of uh, experience, which I have a lot because I travel a lot. So for some reason in airplanes, I mean, it's like so much easier for me to detach from the situation. You know, you don't like feel it as much. But if I really let myself think about it, and I did when I first started flying, that really, really freaks me out too. So. <laughs> Those like transatlantic flights for me are the scary ones where I'm like, oh my God, it's just water for miles and miles and miles. I would much rather, if a plane is going down, I want it to go down in a finite way. <laughs> then I'm not just floating through the sea to be eaten by something. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm not helping this. <laughs> no. It feels like, mm. <laughs> I actually enjoy watching like the... Uh, map you know when you're like over mm -hmm. the ocean and you're like really just there we are yeah right over the middle of nowhere I mean I'm scared like I get scared of turbulence mm -hmm. if it's really bad but generally I'm just like it's gonna happen it's gonna happen. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah you do have to let go of a certain amount of things when you're traveling for sure yeah Camille just went to Greece so that must have been a long flight yeah it was I mean definitely not even close to the longest one I've been on but one cool thing about that was when we flew over Italy, I could see out the window, I could see the shape of Italy. The real boot? Yeah, the real boot. I was like, <laughs> that's Italy. I know. <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> Camille, did you bring the kids or was it a grown-up trip? No, this was a girl's trip. So my best friend from college and I met up there um, for our 40th um, birthday year. It was pretty far after my 40th birthday, but. It was kind of for both of our 40th birthdays. Hell yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She's going to lead our pilgrimage back there. <laughs> <laughs> Take us yeah. back. This year, the bucket list item is all the Christmas markets. Oh, you know, there's a cruise that you can do that takes you to all the Christmas markets. And one of my friends from college did that cruise with his wife. Are you just wow. all up? It's like some, I don't know if it's the Rhine. I don't know what river it is, but it takes you to Europe's Christmas markets. That is exactly what I want to do. I think we should start planning our looks 
I'm thinking <laughs> velvet. I'm thinking like burgundy, some forest green, some bows. Beauty and the Beast does Christmas. <laughs> oh, I was thinking like traditional Nordic, like booties, yeah. mucklucks. <laughs> we can have all of those things. Mucklucks. Yeah. All right. Well, we covered that one. So can we get some background on you, like three things that you're proud of, past, present, and future? Sure. Um, it's kind of funny. I, when I was thinking about like things in my past that I'm proud of, I, like there's a lot of things over the years that I think a lot, you know, personal growth, things like that. But one thing that I kind of thought was kind of interesting is like having kids and getting they're getting into sports. I've become a little more um, proud of my athletic accomplishments growing up. And I think I was really dismissive of it for a long time, but I played very competitively. My softball team, I played fast pitch softball for 10 years and we won several um, state tournaments and my high school basketball team won our state tournament. So we were the best team in the whole state for um, schools our size. And I, once I decided not to play sports in college, I kind of really shifted gears. And then I was like, eh, sports. <laughs> but that was a big part of my life. And, um, you know, I worked hard at it and I excelled at it. And yeah, I'm proud of those achievements. And I think I'm just kind of remembering that now, uh, being back a little bit more in sports realm and coaching Greta's t-ball team <laughs> so that and then yeah my EP I'm super proud of which you know was just two years ago it took me a long time I started writing um writing songs I don't know like 15 years ago and I rarely shared them with anyone it was like a really big thing for me to overcome the hang-ups I had around creating music creating any sort of art really and then sharing it and it took a lot for me to get to the point where I could write record you know on my like for me to sing me to perform and release um, this EP um, I'm proud that really I'm proud of the EP but I'm as equally proud of where I got to to be able to release the EP <laughs> Do you consider yourself an introvert in that sense where it's like getting over that fear of being seen? This is something Nisha and I have talked about. Sometimes it's so easy to fall into this idea of where you fit and not wanting to stand out in some way. I feel like I'm pr like pretty extreme on that level. <laughs> I, I do. I'm an introvert. I feel like I'm very, I need personal conversation and connection um but in like a public realm or like a like really showing anyone who what's inside of my heart I guess you would say I am very shy about that um I, I do have stage fright I just have a lot of fear of being seen in that way uh, I don't know if I should really get into too much of like therapy talk, but I did really um, kind of recently uncover that like, I think as a child, I really understood that if I could just like be invisible, I wouldn't um, 
come up against any discipline or upset from adults around me (laughs) and that that I'm super sensitive to that so I remember like if a teacher would just like make a comment to me it would cut me to the core even if it was like pretty mild comment so then I just tried to be as invisible as I could (laughs) which is not great um but you know it was something I was just doing to try to protect myself and I you know still do that so but I'm working on it and I've come a long ways. Yeah. But even just like coming to that self-awareness seems like a very powerful moment to just mm-hmm. be like, oh, there's, it's maybe not just who I am necessarily yeah. because you have this desire to make music and, and, you know, share it with the world. But then when the fear is just as real, figuring out where it came from is really powerful. Yeah. And I do think some of it is just my natural you know, way I am, and that's fine. But I also feel like, you know, I'd come up against this thing, like, okay, I made this thing that means something to me. Is it important that I put it out there or not? And I don't think it always has to be put out there. But I also, especially since having kids, I feel like communication is so important you know no matter what I learn or what I think or you know really what I learn I think is the key thing there if I'm not able to communicate that to anyone it gets shut down right I've just like really come to understand the importance of honest communication and it's something, you know, that the uh, nonviolent communication is huge in that. And like it really reading that book and learning more about nonviolent communication really emphasized to me how important communication is. And that's how we spread knowledge. That's how we spread stories. That's how we spread our experience. And I think our art is a form of that. Completely agree with everything you said. And and I think I, and that you said something about too, like you don't always have to share it because I think the process of just creating is so important. Yes. And so it's like, sometimes you just need to be creating and it doesn't matter anything else. But then there, there is also this other facet. And I talked to, to Chandra about this. I talked to Adam about this. I, I'm this book I'm writing. It's kind of focused on this, like need to be seen and to be your, like your experience mirrored by other people but then it's like also because our culture is so confusing, you don't want to feel like you're seeking attention mm-hmm. or or like that you have to be validated all the time. Yeah. I mean, art in general, the reason we seek it out, the reason we make it is very much rooted in what you're saying in communication and in connection. And I think when you make something and you're so proud of it and it meant something to you to create it, the hope is that in sharing that somebody will find meaning and they will find connection. They will find words that they understand. Um, And you need all types of people creating different types of art to really bring people to a place. Yeah. On a quick side note. So I followed John and I follow Mm -hmm. you on Instagram. But before we talked about doing this podcast, I think that I saw a cover, a zombies cover. Oh, yes. Yes, yeah. I remember, I watched that cover, which that's like one of my favorite songs. I mean, that album is like life-changing, um, but it was so beautiful. Oh, thank you. <laughs> that was fun. We just, uh, yeah, I was like in my pajamas, <laughs> my hair up. And, that's yeah, so good. Those are the we best We just decided moments. to do that, yeah. 
we actually um, toured with a band years and years ago who would do that cover regularly. Um, they were called Pablo and they did an amazing cover of it. And yeah, it's been kind of just on my, uh, on my regular playlist for <laughs> a long time since then. The fact that like you shared it and it's so beautiful and I love it and I love Northwind and I love all the songs, but I think also the fact that you like did it despite or in, you know, the, through like struggling through the process of like sharing your art is so powerful. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, and of course, I'm super proud of my kids <laughs> and the family <laughs> and the home that I helped create here. Anyone who has children, I think, understands that um, amount of pride that you can have in your in your children, but uh, in a positive way, you know, not like a, I'm doing anything to <laughs> it just it's really cool to watch them grow and learn. And um, both my kids have just recently started just reading all the time, which is really fun. <laughs> we kind of struggled with John John for a bit uh, about him not wanting to read. And Greta's been learning violin and it's just amazing to watch this little girl. Like she was like playing scales yesterday on the violin. Um, and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's amazing that she can do that. And like her, watch her brain at work and how quickly she absorbs. And I don't know, it's just really, really neat. Greta is a genius. I have been saying it <laughs> since the day she was born. I swear, I'm not joking. I really think she is. Yeah. Okay. Oh, you, you do your future? Uh. I don't know. I'm really feeling at this point, I'm living day to day. I'm just like, <laughs> I uh, have a plan for the summer. I'm like getting that's my head future. down. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's Tomorrow is the future. <laughs> I'm, I'm really excited to swim a lot this summer. There you go. That's my. Uh, oh, your guys' pool looks amazing. Is that some. This, this looks beautiful. The pool? I don't know. You posted a video of a pool, and I was like, well, that looks fancy. Oh, I think we were at a hotel. <laughs> oh, I was like, is that your pool? Is that your no, like neighborhood no. pool? No, no, can no. Can we come through Kansas? Can we yeah. come yeah. through whatever that pool is? Yeah. It's like, we don't have a pool. Uh, the public pool here is really uh, pretty good. And uh, our friends have like a cool uh, above ground um, pool in their backyard. That's uh, nice. So yeah, we'll be doing a lot of swimming. That's great. Tell us something you're excited about right now and what's going well. Um, I am excited about my show. Uh, I'm playing a show tomorrow at um, a place here in Lawrence called The Replay. Um, this will air after it, so. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. This will be my first real show since I lived in North Carolina. Um, so it, you know, with the pandemic and, um, just getting things and I actually had to have wrist surgery. So I had to cancel a show before, but, um, yeah, so I'm kind of just getting back into it now. And, uh, I feel like I'm in a really good headspace for like defeating my, um, or really maybe not defeating, but accepting where I'm at mm -hmm. with stage fright. I think one of my biggest, um, obstacles is with, uh, performing live is the uh, perfectionism idea that like you know when you get on that stage that has to be that has to be your best one yet like that has to be the pinnacle of what you can do right so like I have all these practices and I like practice and I'm like oh that went well if I did that that time you can only control so much and um 
I feel okay about that. It's not going to be perfect. It's definitely not going to be perfect. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm probably going to sound crazy sometimes, (laughs) but I came up with this idea that I'm like, if there's like one or two moments in a song that I'm like, yeah, okay. (laughs) Then I went, then I'm good. Yeah. So that's kind of getting me through. And uh, some of the more memorable moments, I know for me, shows that I've been to are when things didn't go perfectly and there's there was something cool that happened or there was a malfunction, yeah. the crowd had to sing, whatever. <laughs> like, I think that makes for such a, a memorable experience for an audience to to just see the humanity of it, too. Yes. And the, like the humanity is a great word for that. And I think that that's what, you know. I respond to in music is something real and authentic rather than perfection. I mean, my favorite singers are not the best singers <laughs> and um, there are very good singers that can also perform in that very super authentic way and like, you know, get something across and that's amazing. But aiming for that kind of thing, a real authentic expression rather than, like I have to sing everything perfect and I have to play everything perfect. You know, if I'm like in the moment and feeling it and expressing something real, if I get that done at any point, I'll feel like I did it. <laughs> I feel like that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that feels right to me. <laughs> How was that rehearsal process go for you? Especially like, I know that both of your, your men's are leaving this week, right? Or next week they hit the road. Four days. So you're, yeah. In like last minute chaos and planning and you're trying to rehearse like do you do you how do you carve time out so our kids are in school still right now this is actually so Friday is my show it's their last day of school uh, and then John leaves like two days later or three days later maybe um so it's been a little bit more than we would ideally want but you know sometimes things just line up like that but we've been rehearsing John's gonna play with me um on my at my show tomorrow and uh so we've been rehearsing when the kids are at school and then he's been you know we'll rehearse for an hour and then he's been practicing and getting ready for tour so yeah we're just kind of finding the time where we can hopefully someone will live stream (laughs) be able to catch that a video of you singing or something that would be fun Oh, that sounds like my worst nightmare. (laughs) It will live forever on the internet. (laughs) Anything live in that capacity is so unnerving. A podcast seems less terrifying. Mm. Just cut that shit out. That's it. Yeah. (laughs) Make it sound nice. (laughs) So now, speaking of the guys leaving for tour, Mm -hmm. what is the hardest part about having John away and what advice for other band wives or spouses do you have tips tricks so I feel like things got a lot harder for us over the past like four years with touring and I think part of it is you know with the kids it just it can get really intense um but a couple things that I probably came to a little late but one thing is I read that book love languages which is like so famous for so many years but it's also one of those things that I was like oh yeah I probably should have done this before and understand this so for both John and I our top love language is quality time and 
realizing that, and I, I'm pretty sure that we both had our second one was physical touch. So both of those are extremely hard to do when they're away. But the quality time one really was like kind of a key to me because I don't love talking on the phone. John could talk on the phone for hours. It's just kind of an irritating physical thing for me to do. I don't know. I got these headphones. I'm hoping that helps. I don't know. But um, and especially, you know, when you're doing a lot at home, I'm just like to sit down and have an hour long conversation is hard. Uh, but I think after realizing that the quality time is both of our number one love languages, I was like, we really need to prioritize creating that in some way. And so we have kind of like scheduled <laughs> talks, which helps me personally, because when it's, you know, on the fly, I don't do well with that. So I think understanding that kind of thing and Again, going back to my therapy, because I have talked about this a lot in therapy, I would recommend for any partner whose partner is away a lot to have a therapist. I am scheduled once a week with my therapist while John's gone. I don't stay in therapy constantly, but when he's traveling, I really need that. And I haven't always done that, um, but I've also really realized that like to have that person who's impartial and who you don't feel worried about complaining to, or like just getting stuff off your chest, you know, cause it doesn't always feel good to be like, Oh, my life is so hard right now. <laughs> uh, when I have a great life really, you know, and but it's important to express those emotions. Uh, so yeah, get a therapist maybe if that feels right for you. And then we also, we made such a big plan for this summer. And I feel like we both are in the best headspace we have been entering a long tour. Um, I have a babysitter coming twice a week, you know, cause really I, you know, I'm a stay at home mom, but when he's gone and they're not in school, there's literally not an hour in the day that I'm not in, in mom work mode. So to have those, you know, a little like two, three or four hour sessions where I can go just do something on my own, I think is going to help a lot. And knowing you have a backup, just kind of making a mental plan <laughs> for what you're going to do. And honestly, a, a, a like a structured plan for me I, I I really thrive on scheduling and then I think too we have just really tried to travel too much I know I, I feel like everyone has different differing levels of where their limit is with that like I feel like Misha you are you thrive on travel I feel like and it definitely depletes me and so I think that I would say yes to a lot of things for the idea of we're going to be together as a family when it was not actually serving me. So I would get really burnt out, you know, thinking it was going to be better for the kids or better for John. When in reality, if it's not good for all of us, I don't think that that is the way to go. That's an amazing point. We recently had a situation where we ended up, my son and I, 
in an airport for like 28 hours. Oh my God. For like a two day trip. And I kept, you know, asking my son, like, are you okay with it? Do you want to go home? Do you want to give up? And he's like, no, like, let's do it. And so that was the only sort of thing that kept me (sighs) going and being like, okay, well, I'm not a crazy person, but, um, you hit the nail on the head because it is exhausting. Travel alone is exhausting and travel with kids and the disrupted schedules and all the things what is the real cost to you, mm-hmm. uh, which then trickles into everything else, right? As the nucleus of the family. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're not filling your cup, there's nothing left. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think I would sacrifice that pretty readily for a while for that idea that, well, I know John wants to see the kids. I know we should be together as a family, which is important, obviously, but finding a balance and finding, you know, healthy boundaries, I guess, with that. Yeah. And just finally like admitting what works for you, you know, because you mm-hmm. can say you like for, if you're like, no, this is what we got to do. We've got to see them, you know, and then finally just being like, actually, this is not work for me. Yeah. It can be stressful to come to that point, but I, hopefully it's probably freeing. And yeah. Thinking about that too, you know, I, I made the reference that I feel like you probably have a higher threshold for travel. Um, finding that ability to not compare to uh, is like you know obviously a universal Mm -hmm. good idea but it's so easy to do you're like why is this so hard for me and not for someone else like should I be able to do more am I not trying hard enough or am I not taking care of myself enough at home to be able to you know there's like you can go into one of my good friends here her um her husband is a um, guitar tech and she, she shared with me that she really struggled. She was like, I feel like it gets so overwhelming with my two dogs or three, she has three dogs, but you know, I'm like, yeah. And that's valid. Like it's hard when your partner's away. Yeah. And it's, it just, that I think was a really good reminder for me that I'm like, yes. And I don't, we don't have to compare, but this is like, Oh, that this is even harder for you or this should be less hard for you it was hard before I had kids and anybody who is partner or spouse is having uh, an altered schedule and they're struggling, struggling with that in any way is that's valid. Yep. Yeah. And I don't know what to expect with traveling either. Like I've never traveled with all three kids. Sylvie was a baby and I feel like we've talked about this a lot, but like post COVID really did change a lot. Yeah. Like energy wise and, and like sleep schedule and like the kid's ability to be in public really. Yeah. And so I don't really know what to expect. I do love traveling. Like Chandra said, Adam less. So it's harder for him. Yeah. Yeah. It is a language. I mean, just like the love language. I haven't read that. I'll tell you right now, Adam's a gift giver. He's one of them. I, when I was reading it, I was like, when I read the book, I was like, oh my God, Adam is the most of this one that I've ever known. <laughs> he is. So I, I talk about it all the time. Like he gives me the best clothes. I, you know, and I don't want to brag, but he just showed up with an iPad for me yesterday Aww. after the kids broke my, the kids broke mine though, but, but it was fine. I was going to go get one eventually. And he just, yeah. So it really is. Aww. And I don't feel like I can measure up to that, but I guess. so thoughtful. Yeah. It is. It uh, I I found it very helpful, and even even with I feel like John and I being a little, like so similar, I feel like it's it's important when you're similar or di- really different. And uh, I think they kind of focus on that 
the differences, like people um, not understanding, you know, where the other person is showing love, I would recommend it. I'm going to check it out. Yeah, because you feel like, you know, I'm giving everything I possibly can or I'm, yeah. you know, it's not the right things. And so it's like, you're like, right. it's not connecting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. That was great. I'm going to look that up. I'm reading the four agreements. Did you tell me about that, Camille? Yes. I, that yeah. one I read in when I was like 20 and it's been like a every couple years book. I actually, I have it um, started right now again probably like the 10th time <laughs> oh awesome and yeah. actually it's... I, no it's not the four I have a his son wrote a book too and that's the one I'm reading right now actually I knew you had told me about it and it's really really good so far it's helping me rethink it's one of those books that is it's I feel like it breaks it down so simply and digestibly but it can make such an impact in your life yeah I'm excited all right. So what do you know to be true about yourself, the world, and the universe? So <laughs> it's a big Easy question. question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I was thinking about this last night, and I kind of like bounced this one off of John. I think that what I know about myself the most is that to my core, I am just a gen- I'm genuine. I don't love like sarcasm or teasing or there's not a lot of times where I feel like I'm trying to put on anything. I think that it's just very appealing to me to be who I am and come at things earnestly and honestly. Yeah, that felt right about something that I know about myself. As for the rest of it, I'm like, I I really believe that everything is connected. You know, we're not separate from, you know, whatever we think God is, or definitely nature, we are part of nature, we're, it's all connected, you know, there's no separating all these moving parts in our world and our universe. um, To me, and that feels true. Yeah, it actually made me feel really hopeful last night thinking about that. I'm like, Oh, I do. I do believe in that. And, you know, I remember one time my sister, um, when we were in college, she was talking to me. And I think, you know, we grew up in a quite religious household that we all struggled with. uh, I don't know, religious trauma, I would say. Um, And coming out of that, I remember her talking to me. And she was like, I'm just trying to like, figure out what I think is real and true and what I actually believe in and she was like I I think music I think music is real and that always like really struck me I was like yes I know and it um for me especially finding artists who are expressing truth and uh just doing what they really want to do comes across and that is meaningful and um, important Mm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) we're gonna follow up that profound answer (laughs) with uh (laughs) what are you binge watching or listening to or we talked a little bit about reading yeah so great pottery throwdown if anyone is interested in pottery or would want to this show made me start doing pottery (laughs) 
and I love it so much. It's on HBO Max. It's the Great Pottery Throwdown. It's a British show. It's really fun to watch people make pottery, and it's inspiring, and I love it. And they just had a, a new season pretty recently that I just finished binge watching. So, and then uh, I have been listening to the Kaylee Goldsworthy album. She just released some uh, a new album recently, and I love it so much. It's very good. She plays violin and. Yeah, I like her songwriting, and yeah, it's very good. And uh, I'm trying to think what I'm reading other than, oh, I'm reading um, Sumonk Kid book that you recommended me, Misha, um, The Dance of the Dissident Daughter. Oh, I love that one so yeah. much. Yeah, it's pretty interesting, too, because I feel like, I kind of felt like when I started it, I was like, well, this will be interesting. I feel like I'm already on the other side of all this, because she was like, in the start of the book she's still you know in her church and like uh just starting to address feminism and like the patriarchal places that she confronts and I was like well this is you know stuff I've already gone through and then it it pretty quickly I was like oh wait no (laughs) like this is I'm still like in it with this and uh yeah it really made me rethink a lot of things and it's very very good and interesting i've written down like 35 books for this, uh, <laughs> this conversation alone i hope the covers look nice on the shelf over here <laughs> okay awesome and these, these are like our rapid fire questions yeah. so the next is what would your theme song be oh my god i don't know this one's i'm like <laughs> I'm like, what is it? What is a theme song? Like something I would walk around to, <laughs> walk in a room and it would play. <laughs> um, if every time you opened your front door, it triggered a song, what song would it be? Oh gosh. I really had a hard time with this one. Um, I don't know. It would, I feel like it would have to be something old. <laughs> uh, I love Van Morrison. I was like thinking about some of his songs. Um, I don't know. Brown Eyed Girl? No, not Brown Eyed Girl. I I mean, that's a good song, but it's not one of my... Yeah. Or Cat Stevens song, maybe. I don't know. I feel like it would be one that's already... (laughs) Yeah. You guys are choosing all the best best ones from these artists. Yeah, I don't know if I have an answer for that one. Think on it. I feel like this is a good question to like ask a spouse. Well, what do you think it is? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Last one. Yeah. What is the guilty pleasure mm. or one thing that you look forward to most when your spouse is away? Honestly, it's so simple. Just an empty house. Like any time that I have that, that my whole house is empty and I can just like walk around with like a smudge stick and like... <laughs> But just the whole house <laughs> and I will rarely even like have the tv on or um no music I just like I just like revel in the quietness <laughs> that that is amazing to me maybe your theme song is the sound of silence oh yeah there you go good. yeah yeah oh that's a good it's very deep that theme is, song this... yeah <laughs> um I used to struggle to be alone and it's it is hard too because John and I are both 
the kind of people I always, always try to work to get him alone time, just replenishing the both of us. And, uh, you know, when he goes on tour, he's not getting it. There's, there's not good. You don't get alone time on tour. So, um, yeah, I always am like, okay, you stay here. I'm going to go to my parents. (laughs) (laughs) You, uh, you have your little, you know, two day retreat of having no humans around you. Um, and uh, yeah, but it's, I, I get that. I mean, that's like really important to me when I get that too. And, and then I think too, you know, there's always like, he always has baseball on and I love watching baseball, but there's nights where I would definitely not put baseball. On. <laughs> so, you know, just having that freedom of choice at all times. I, I really remember, um, this uh somebody put up like a meme or something and it was like what the hell I fall in love and then I have to share a bedroom for the rest of my life (laughs) and it's like yeah like we really do put this pressure on ourselves as long-term partners of like we have to be around each other all the time you know and it's like no we don't have to do that I it's still learning that. So this has been really <laughs> Yeah. There is something about that distance makes the heart grow fonder too. You know, those yeah. cliches are cliches for a reason. You know, there was a point, especially during the pandemic, where John was kind of like, um, can I can I go down into the basement and like watch something else tonight? And I'm like, Yeah, yes, do that. <laughs> And we then we started talking about it. I was like, we felt like, you know, we'd put the kids to bed and we like stay up an extra hour, you know, and it's like, we always felt like we had to do that together. And I'm like, no, let's, let's not do that together every night. We don't have to do that. Yeah. So, yeah. Adam went to war on drugs with Greg, one of our friends. Uh-huh. And I was like, no, you go. I'm going to cook dinner, <laughs> have a glass of wine and watch like a cult documentary. <laughs> Yeah, but I'm not always good about that. I haven't typically in my in our marriage been like you saying like I'm learning now to be like to be alone. And I went on t- two separate like alone writers retreats, and mm-hmm. I realized how I it's something you have to learn and grow to be comfortable yeah. with. And, and I'm learning to appreciate that. I mean, yeah, that was like 14 years into our marriage that we were <laughs> like, hey, we don't have to hang around each other every single. Oh, well, we're at 14, so maybe this year we'll I will be like, okay, I can handle this. <laughs> yeah uh well i feel like we've taken uh, a good chunk of your time today oh yeah um it's really fun yeah so fun fun. i know i feel like we could keep going and yeah (laughs) but we are so so grateful for you uh for coming on and for being our guest and being you know so candid and amazing we'll definitely link to your ep uh people will be able to uh, find a link on our instagram um our website hope your show tomorrow is amazing thank you (laughs) thanks for having me this was really really nice yeah can't wait to hear uh all your guests thank you very much we'll do this again we will be back next week for a mini episode and we will answer one of your burning questions, which you can keep submitting over at our Instagram page at Bandwives Podcast or on our website, bandwivespod.com.